Well, we're using this. This is. Ah, that's just recording you. Yeah. Morning. Morning. It's uh, it is so good to be here. Um, incredible how it, uh, it 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 always feels home. It truly feels like home. And uh, and just before I start, there's a few things that I that I want to share from the visions uh, today. I know that's where you've been. Uh, in some ways, that's where I feel like I always am in Ephesians. It's like the most remarkable, the most remarkable letter to me in all of Paul's writings. But just a couple of things that, uh, just as I sensed while we were worshiping, um, Aaron led us incredibly in worship alongside uh, Jude. It's Jude, isn't it? Yeah. Um, but can I just say, I, I'm sorry, I don't know your name at the back. Who? Le- yeah. No, no, the lady at the back of the class. Ruth, Ruth. Um, there, uh, it, it, we, we usually think it's the worship leader, it's the, it's the guy with the, with the guitar at the front that leads us into the presence of the Lord. But, but for me, I, there was how, how, Ruth, um, how Ruth began our time together this morning. I just felt like we just should have led us right into the presence of the Lord. And so I want to commend that and... Uh, and acknowledge that there was a gentleness and a purity <coughs> how Ruth led us into the presence of the Lord this morning that, that it actually made Aaron's job really easy. Aaron, you had such an easy job this morning. <laughs> um, because Ruth had already led us so beautifully into his presence with gentleness and purity. And, uh, and so I want to commend that. Um, but I do want to say, again, it feels like, it feels like actually um, ignoring Aaron altogether. But as I stood at the front, as I stood at the front, I, like, I do love to sing. Whether I'm a good singer or not is another matter. It's up for debate. Thankfully, you were all behind me. You didn't hear me. But, but I love to sing. And I love to sing those old classics. There's something rich and beautiful about them. But, um, but just halfway through the first song, I just, felt like, I just felt like I was able just to wait upon the Lord. And I felt like, like, I, like I can't believe that there's, that there's not more people in the room. Because I felt like I was being carried. There was something like was, was carrying me. <laughs> by how you worship, by how you sang. And so, like, Ari did an incredible job, but it, was, but it was Ruth and it was you guys that I felt like just carried me this morning. It was the most, it was the most wonderful thing. And I uh, so just being able to, just being able to sit, or just being able to stand and be carried uh, was just wonderful. It was a beautiful thing. And, I, and I've just been asking Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, is that what you're doing among these guys at the minute? Is there something that you're doing for all those things that, that Ruth read in 2 Corinthians 6? Is there just, is there just, like a, a, I know they're not new songs, so they're, they're the opposite, but is there something about the new way that you're singing them that is going to cause people just to be carried, that are in distress, that feel like they're crushed, and need those yet moments? And I think it's the song that he's placing in you guys together, because there was no one person, and I know that, again, Aaron and Jude were incredible, but it was together, it was your voices together that I felt was just carrying me this morning. And so I'm asking Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, is that what you're doing among this, among these people today? And um, and so, so bless you, thank you, thank you for how, how uh, an example in worshiping together. And you're going to just continue that today as you gather uh, around communion. And I love that that's what you're doing. I love that the t- big long tables are coming out and you're just feasting together. It is uh, it's beautiful. Um, uh, so so let me let me sh- let me share some some stuff. Um, when we done? Twenty-five minutes, thirty minutes. Is that. Keep, keep <laughs> well, so so um so the question I've been asking, the question that I've we uh, 
we try to gather in our in home groups, uh, various places, um, once a fortnight. And uh, and so last week we, uh, with the group that are, were around me, I uh, I got us to look together to go in to Ephesians chapter one and just see if there was something that the Lord wanted to say to us together. And as I listened to the conversation that took place, um, as we as we read together, as we contemplated, meditated together, um, just finally I was asking myself this question, who or what? Who or what is your centre? Who or what are you partnering with? There's some of the questions that I felt were being provoked as I read Ephesians chapter 1. And so in some ways, like I, I think I've said this the, the other time, the other times that I've been here, at titles and rubbish of titles. So if you're waiting for a title, you're I don't know I don't know what it is, but something along the lines of what were, what or who is your centre? What or who are you partnering with? It's not a very snazzy title, sure, isn't it? But that's where <coughs> that's what where we're going to go. So Ephesians chapter one. I'm not going to I'm not going to read it all. I'm not sure where exactly you have been. Uh, over the last few weeks, and if I repeat some stuff, um, forgive me. Um, so, Ephesians chapter one. I, if you have any, if your if your ver- if your if your version is the NIV, like mine is, which again I hope is okay. Uh, it's beautiful just to read through. You can almost you can almost see that you almost see in him jumping off the jumping off the page. It's there that often. You can see it. Uh, it's just it's just. Uh, this and this is what Paul is doing. It almost seems like this, um, s- just this real celebration. There's just a real celebratory tone to the first chapter of of Paul's uh, of Paul's letter to the church in Ephesus, and this opening shout of praise. It feels like it feels like an opening shout of praise, um, leading to this this incredible prayer that he prays uh, towards the end of the first chapter. Incredible prayer leading or shout of praise leading to intercession and celebration. But it's that in him language. In him we have been <coughs> chosen. In him we have been adopted. In him we have been included. In him we have been marked. And, uh, and so the thought, some of the thoughts that were provoked in our conversation was just around this position. The position that we, that we have when we have responded to the invitation of Jesus. When we responded to the invitation, when we said yes his invitation to follow him there is or there should be a new position we should find ourselves in a new position there should be a new center and for all of us the thing that unites all of us together is that we used to have the same center it was self we were motivated by self and so Paul goes on to say in the second chapter that self was in the center because you gratified you were gratifying the cravings of that old nature you were gratifying the cravings of your sinful nature. Um, I hadn't bought myself a new Bible for a long time, and I got. I want to commend to you uh, the the Bible for everyone. It's a translation put together by two by two uh, huge scholars in the biblical world. John Golden Gay in the Old Testament is an Old Testament scholar. N.T. Wright is a New Testament scholar, and uh, John Golden Gay has done the old, and N.T. Wright has done the new, and uh, they've just they've done created this, um, this was a bit of a paraphrase or, or something along the lines of the message, maybe. Um, 
But anyway, N.T. Wright, he says for Ephesians chapter 2, verse 3, that you have been used to do what your flesh and your minds were urging us to do. So all of that to say that the self was in the centre. Self was in the centre. We were gratifying the cravings of that old nature, doing whatever it was that we wanted, doing whatever it was that our flesh and minds urged us to do. And I love the songs that we've sang this morning. Because we've all sang it this morning, a poor contempt on all my pride. Poor contempt on it all. Poor contempt on every prejudice. In that verse, even those verses that David was reading, like I'm pouring contempt on everything that has caused her to be a division, everything that, that needs to be that needs to be broken down. The cross means that everything has been, every wall of division has been broken down, and he's made the two one. He's came to bring peace, and so um, there's something powerful about singing that line. Pouring contempt on all my pride, pouring contempt on all my prejudice. We're, we're saying that we are no longer going to live. By our old nature, we're going to go, no longer going to live with that self that was in the center. But as I've went on uh, after our conversation, as I've continued to reflect personally on on some of this, some of the conversations that we had last week, I become really aware that there is a trap. There is something that so easily entangles us, even when we've said yes to Jesus. Even whenever there is this new position, whenever we're saying, I've responded to him and now I am in him. I am chosen in him, adopted in him, marked in him, included in him. But for me, I just want to suggest you that there's a trap that maybe all of us can, can fall into. And I love that we've, we're celebrating, we're acknowledging the cross this morning. We rejoice in what has been done for us. We rejoice in what has been done for us and make sure that anything that I say from this point does not, do not take away from the fact that we're here to rejoice what has been done for us. But I sometimes think about my own journey. Sometimes I think about the temptations and the traps that I still can fall into because it's whenever I think of all that has been done for me but I still relate it to my old self. I still relate it to that old centre. And that's why there's sometimes a temptation in me to, to give in to the individualistic culture that is in our world and that sneaks into the church. To give in to this consumerist mentality that's, that is in our world and sneaks in to the church. Because even whenever we've, we've responded to the, to the invitation of Jesus, we can still celebrate all that has been done for us but relate it to our old center, our old self. Does that make sense? And the victory and deliverance and forgiveness, it has been done for us. Please keep hearing me saying that. But I think that there is, we've missed the deeper meaning. We've missed the deepest meaning of the cross. Uh, we've missed the, a deeper sense of his purpose because his desire is that we would have a life centered in him where all things relate to him. <clears throat> Not a life centered in him where all things still relate to us. Where all things still relate to our old self, to our self that was in the centre. That's no longer the centre. That can no longer be the centre. And I, I think what Paul is calling us to is a life centred in him where everything, where all things are related to him. Yeah. And some of, the, some of the times I listen, I listen to myself preach sometimes. And I listen to other people preach. I listen to some of the songs that we sing. And sometimes it feels that it's, that everything we preach and sing in a way that it was all for man. It was all for us. And, and, and I think to myself then, the center, has the center really changed? 
has the centre ever really changed? We're still appealing to man for what man can get out of this. There's a way that we preach and there's a way that we sing that we're saying, like, like come, come on, there's something you can get out of this. And hear me say, we are going to get something out of it. There is forgiveness and deliverance and victory that has been done for us. But I think there, 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 is, a, there is a slight shift. And I hope that you're following with me because for me it has been a bit of a mindset shift. And I need to move from that old center to a new center where it truly revolves around him. That it's, no longer, that it's no longer my victory, that it's no longer our victory, but I am living in his victory. That it's no longer, it's no longer my purpose. What is my purpose? The most popular language, it's, it's, uh, there's no critique of Rick Warren at all, the purpose-driven life, all of that stuff was great. It was important for a season, but it, it leads us to think that, that there's some sort of exclusive to, exclusivity to, to, to my purpose, to our purpose, and, we, and we, we need to acknowledge, I think, when we shift centers, we, it's no longer our purpose, but we are living in his purpose. It's no longer our victory, but we're living in his. It's no longer our purpose, but we're living in his purpose. And I think Second Corinthians chapter 5 I thought, Ruth, I thought that's where Ruth was going to go when she said she was reading 2 Corinthians. I like, no way. 2 Corinthians 5. But 2 Corinthians 5, I think Paul is saying something similar in 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Although I'm saying the divisions is probably my favorite letter, these few verses, 2 Corinthians chapter 5 from verse 14 or 15 right to the end, uh, verse 21. It's probably my favorite portion. Remarkable. It's a remarkable portion of scripture. But I think Paul is, is saying something similar to, to what, I'm, what I'm trying to get at this morning. Um, 2 Corinthians chapter 5. And so again, Paul is, is saying about our old self. Self was in the center. And Paul is saying to the church in Corinth, you no longer live for yourselves. You're no longer living for yourselves. He died for all that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them. See, there's a, we've, we're shifting our center. We're shifting our center. Our self was at the center. We were living for ourselves, but there's now a new center. A life centered in him where all things relate to him. All things revolve around him. He is saying that we no longer live for selves. We no longer have self at the center. And he goes on in verse 17 to say that, therefore, anyone who is in Christ, he's new. He's a new creation. The old has gone and the new has come. Everything is now new. Everything has become new. It all revolves around him in Christ, all revolving around him. And that's incredible. It's remarkable that that is what he is calling us to. That's what he is inviting us to. It is a challenge for us, I think, too. But if we were to go on, if you can follow on in, in Ephesians, we'll see in chapter 2, it feels to me that there's maybe a, that there's maybe a shift in, in some of the language that Paul starts to use. I think something happens as we continue to grow in him, as we continue to live out this life that revolves around him, that everything relates to him. As we begin to live in such a way, I think... Something there is something that shifts. As for you, let me just read these first six or seven verses of chapter two. As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins in which you used to live 
when you followed the ways of this world and of the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. All of us who lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our sinful nature, we've already been there, and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature objects of wrath. And listen to these words, but because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, he made us alive with Christ, even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace that you have been saved. And God raised us up with Christ, and seated us with him in the heavenly realms, in order that in the coming age he might show the incomparable riches of his grace, expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. And I'll be honest with you, I'm still, I still feel like, although I'm standing here this morning trying to, to share some of what this means, I still feel like I'm trying to work this out. Like, he has made us alive with him. And he has raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places. Like, my goodness. Seated us with him. And Arna sang already this morning, led us in our life is hidden with Christ in God. With Christ, my Savior and my God. I think there's something happens whenever we, we we start to think about actually not only are we not only are we in him everything there revolves around him but he is calling us to do something with him praying his kingdom coming out and I know that you guys pray this often you pray this prayer often for this community that his kingdom would come I listened to somebody talk a couple of days ago and uh, they quoted an old preacher that, that always said, anytime we're going to pray for his kingdom to come, we also need to pray that our kingdom would go. And that, it's, it's shifting of self, isn't it? It's moving from our idea of self is no longer at the centre. Our own pride, our own prejudice, our own agenda is no longer at the centre. We've responded to the invitation of Jesus and now we're in him, adopted, marked, included, adopted in him. But I think it goes even further than that. I think it's incredible that it goes further than that because the thing is that he's not going, whenever we're praying that prayer that his kingdom would come, what it seems to me, as I read, as I, read, as I go back even to Jesus, and I, and I love the words of Jesus in John chapter 14 right through to John chapter 17. And in there I am reminded, and I'm reminded here through the words of Paul, that he is not going to do it for us, but he's going to do it with us. We were talking about seeing his kingdom come to Tandragee. We were talking about seeing something established in this place, in this community. He's not going to do it for us, he's going to do it with us. And so he's made us alive with him, and he's raised us up with him, and he has seated us in the heavenly places with him. He's not going to do it for us. He's longing. He's longing to do it with us. And again, as, as I just continue to reflect, I, I can't help but do that when I come to this letter. And I think about how I've journeyed with in my relationship with Jesus. And there's been times, long periods of times, where I've been occupied working for him. 
And I think there's been times where I've been occupied in doing something for him in order to get something for self. But there's, there's times when I get it. There's times when it makes sense. There's times where I get a glimpse of what it is that he's saying and I become occupied with work, working with him. Working with him and his working through me. And I would encourage you the same thing. You no longer have to be occupied with working for him to get something out of him. The invitation is that you would be occupied with working with him and his working through you. And if I can go back again to 2 Corinthians chapter 5, reminding you once again the self is no longer at the center. We no longer live to ourselves. There is, there is a life that is now centered in him where everything relates to him. Everything revolves around him. All things are new. Everything has become new. But then Paul goes on. Paul goes on in this, in this chapter um, in the verse 19 and 20 and says that he, there is a message of reconciliation that the world needs to hear. Through Christ, through what has been done on the cross, he is reconciling the world to himself. And there is this message of reconciliation and he has entrusted it to us. He has entrusted it to each one of you in the room. He's entrusted each one of you with this message of reconciliation. He is not going to do it for us. He is longing to do it with us. And that's why he says, you are the ambassadors of reconciliation. You are the agents of reconciliation. As if God is making his appeal through you. He is longing to partner with you in this. He's longing to partner with you in this. He is longing that you would catch what it, who it is that you are for the sake of what he wants to accomplish, his victory, his purpose, living in his victory, living in his purpose. And there's something about this, this new center and there's something about this question of who are we partnering with? Because if we were to follow on in this letter of Ephesians chapter 3 verse 10 tells us that his intent, tells us something of his intent that through the church, through us, through each one of you, that the manifold wisdom of God would be made known everywhere. It would be made known to the, to the rulers and the principalities and the powers through us in partnering with you, in partnering with the church, in partnering with us. That's how God is going to make his manifold wisdom known. That's according to his eternal purpose, which he accomplished in Christ Jesus our Lord is what he goes on to say. But I think it gets better. And this is where I, this is where I st- truly, this is where I still have found myself towards the end of this week as I've been preparing for this week. I found myself like just sensing that there was a bit of momentum to some of this. And I felt like everywhere I looked at Paul, he, he was almost like he was saying the same thing. And then I went to Romans chapter 8. <laughs> I've said already. I've already said that Ephesians is my favourite letter. Second Corinthians chapter five is my favourite portion. But actually, now that I'm in Romans eight, I'm realising actually this might be my favourite. <laughs> anyway, uh, Romans chapter eight, and I think I think this this almost for me as I as I read this after all of that I've shared so far. So I just found myself in this letter to the church in Ephesus. I found myself once again um, being encouraged and challenged and reminded of some stuff in 2 Corinthians chapter 5. 
And it was in all of that that I then came to Romans chapter 8 and I felt like it just keeps getting better. Like how can it get any better than the, than the fact that we are now, we're now in him and our lives are now hidden with Christ in God and all that he wants to do, everything that he wants to, to see happen in the kingdom that he wants to see established here on earth as it is in heaven, he wants to do it with us. And so I read Romans chapter 8 and verse 12 says, Therefore, brothers, we have an obligation, but it is not to the sinful nature. See where Paul's again, he's at the, it's, we need to move what is at the centre. Self has been at the centre for too long. We have an obligation that is not to, that, to the self. It is not to the old centre, to the old nature. To live according to it. For if you live according to the sinful nature, you will die. But if you are led by the Spirit of God, you are sons of God. Beautiful. For you did not receive, verse 15, for you did not receive a spirit that makes you a slave again to fear, but you received the spirit of sonship. And by him we cry, Abba, Father. By him we cry, Abba, Father. And these verses are special to me. For, for some of you in the room, you know my journey, me and my wife are... Um, almost at the end of a process of adopting a little baby girl. And Katie's been with us since she was, since she was, uh, since the day she was born. Um, she turned one in February. Uh, and it's been our joy. And there's, and there's moments that we, we get to know some of her story. We get to know the painful background that she, that, that her parents grew up in. And there's something, there's something beautiful. There's something rich. Sometimes it feels even deeper whenever we, uh, are aware of where she was, where she came from, what it truly means to be adopted, adopted in. And this is, this is the case for us all. There is this new centre. There is this new self that we're in him. And we're in, when we're in him, it means that we are sons and daughters that, that cry Abba. And it goes on. The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are children. And if that wasn't enough, now that we are children, we are also heirs. We are heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. See, the invitation is truly there that we are, that we are engaging in this, this kingdom come prayer with, with him. We are co-heirs, <coughs> co-heirs with Christ. And so again, it feels like the pattern is there in Romans chapter 8 that you need to move the centre. No longer live into that old, the old way of thinking, the old patterns, the old nature. But everything has become new. Everything is new and you are now sons and daughters of God. You have no longer any reason to fall back into fear, to fall back into slavery because you're adopted as sons of God. That causes us to cry, cry like this what Paul is saying here, this like heart rendering cry of Abba. And then we get to do it with him. As co-heirs, we get to labor and journey and partner with him. <coughs> and then it says, if indeed we share in his sufferings in order that we also may share in his glory. That we would share in his glory. And there's an old preacher, and I think, it's, I think it's in Romans chapter 8, that he gathers these thoughts. 
And he, he, takes, he takes it and he, goes, he even goes right back to the, to the creation narrative. And he says, like, we were created to be. We were created to be. And then we were, we were to become. And here's our sonship. To become was our sonship. And then to share was our heirship. I don't know if that's the right way to put it, but that's what he said. So take it up with him. Heirship. So we were created to be. We were, there was sonship and we became heirship and we shared. And then thronship, we reign. And he, and I, think he's, I think he's basing some of his thoughts in Romans chapter 8, but he, goes, he even goes back to Adam. Adam was created. And then he became, he became, became a son that would just walk in the cool of the day. And then he had the mandate that was given to him, go and rule, subdue the earth, rule and reign, take authority. And incredibly, that is what God has been, God has been trying to restore that right from the beginning. And thank God for the cross. Thank God that Jesus came and, and now this, this is possible for us. This is possible that that, that, that creation kingdom mandate, if you can call it that, would be re-established, would be restored. Those of us created as him, in his image, everything has become new. We are now sons. We are now sons and daughters in him, getting to partner with him as co-heirs. And we're actually, the invitation is that we are going to reign with him. We get to share in his glory. Truly, truly remarkable. And so partnering with him is important. But just late last night, I felt like I just wanted to, to add a little bit onto that. And I'm beginning to land this with this. That there is something significant and huge, monumental about us partnering with him. It is really important, really significant that we grasp that. Really important that we take hold of that. But actually it is almost of, maybe not of equal significance, but it is really, really important that we are partnering with each other. We're partnering with each other in this. And, uh, and I just really felt like I wanted to say that last night. And as, I, as I'm here among you this morning, I feel a re- an extra weight of that, actually, as I share this. I, uh, I don't know how many of you are familiar with Alan Scott. Alan Scott was the pastor who, um, a pastor up in Causeway Coast Vineyard, seen some incredible things happen. Uh, made his way to California, is now pastoring the the church in Anaheim that uh, John Wimber founded and pastored. And um, and I, I listened to him a couple of weeks ago, and he said this to to the congregation. He says he doesn't want the tenders, he wants partners. Amen. He doesn't want the tenders, he wants partners. And I, he was then he was bold enough to say that we are here to equip the saints for service, not to entertain the saints with more services. Yeah. <laughs> and and uh, yeah. I love that. Like, yeah. Part of it was quite funny, but it was really bold. Mm-hmm. And actually people in the room began to laugh and he stopped them. Mm-hmm. He stopped them. He says, like, this, like, you can laugh at this, but this means everything's going to change. We're no longer putting on services for you for your benefit, for your, like, that's right, like, make sure you hear, like, if, make sure you hear the quote, it's from Alan Scott, this is not what I'm saying, he's saying, I'm no, I'm, we're not putting on services for your kids, 
we're not we're no longer just creating programs and events to entertain because they don't want the tenders. It goes completely against sort of that big church type model, doesn't it? And we, he wants partners. He wants people that are going to go shoulder to shoulder in this. Yeah. Going to go shoulder to shoulder and seeing his kingdom come in, in, in Tanrigi. Mm-hmm. And it's actually not going to, it's not going to, it maybe will. It maybe will, but I, I don't know if it will, if there's just the tenders. Yeah. If there's just the tenders, I don't, I don't know if we get to, to live and see all that he wants to pour out, all that he wants to do. And he's looking for partners. He's looking for those that will partner with him. But actually, hugely significant, I think, for you guys is that partnering with each other. Going shoulder to shoulder at this. To see his kingdom come. And in Ephesians chapter 4, um, verses 9 to 16. <coughs> Paul says... What does he ascended mean except that he also descended? He who descended is also the one who ascended higher than all the heavens in order to fill the whole universe. Sometimes I find, sometimes I find it hard to get my tongue around those verses. But actually, really simply put, no one has went any higher than Jesus has went and no one has went any lower than Jesus has went. And because of that, he fills all things. He fills the whole universe. Because nobody's went any lower, nobody's went any higher. He fills it all. And everything relates to him. Everything revolves around him. We are living in his victory. We are living for and in his purpose. And it was he who gave some to be apostles and some to be prophets and some to be evangelists and some to be pastors and teachers to prepare God's people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Yeah. Again, can I just say that, as I read that verse again, I, uh, I, am, like, I am grateful for programs. I'm grateful for some of the wonderful things that we've been given. We've been given some wonderful tools, haven't we? Like Alpha and, mm-hmm. and Cap and Foot. We've been given some incredible resources. But I want you to know that the, the resources, as, as the Father looks about seeing his kingdom come, the resource that he has given is you. You're the resource. And so that's why he says he's filling all things. And he's, as he fills all things, he's given apostles and prophets and teachers and shepherds and evangelists. You're the resource. You're the resource, and we, we all want to attain this. Um, we all want to reach this unity. He, he, he is wanting us to partner together, and that's why he's given us the, this, this incredible five-fold ministry, because he wants us all to reach unity and faith. He wants us all to, to go at this together, to come in at this together, being built up, coming into the knowledge of the Son of God, become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. And then verse 16. Verse 16 says, From him the whole body joined and held together. Held together by every supporting ligament grows and builds itself up in love as each part does the work. And that's the closing verse that I sensed um, last night as I was bringing my thoughts to a close. That is your center shift. 
as you take on this challenge of what and who am I partnering with? See, Paul goes on to challenge the church in Ephesus that you, you guys, you are, you are partnering yourselves with the wrong thing. You're partnering yourselves with the wrong people. And so I think it's a really valid question today. Who or what are you partnering with? Who or what is at the centre? And I think that he is, what he is doing among you as you partner with each other, alongside him, of course, that you would be joint and held together. You'd be joined and held together and you would, be, you would begin to grow and build yourself up in love as each part does, does its work. And I incredibly sense that today. That that's what he's doing among you. A fresh partnering with one another. To grow and build yourself up in love as each part does its work. And I'm sort of struggling to know how to land this now because I'm just sensing the weight of that for you today. <coughs> and so in my struggle to land it, can, we, can I just pray? <laughs> Let me just pray for you. Come, Lord Jesus. Yeah, thank you for what you have, for what has been birthed here, for what has been established in this place. I thank you for the people in this room. Thank you for the songs that, that were sung from the heart today. And it, almost, it almost sounds a bit too cliche, God, but, but, but you hear my cry, you hear my heart. There's something about what you're doing God, it almost feels like what I'm sharing today is these guys were already, were already there. It feels like they're already beginning to work that out. It feels like there was already a fresh call to partner with you. There was already an understanding of a, of a call to once again renew partnering with each other in a way that is, that is beautiful and in a way that reflects your nature, God. God is self-serving, or works together as 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 Trinitarian God. You 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 serve. It's almost like you serve one another, and on us created in your image, would we just know what it is to do the same? And so uh, bless these, bless these guys, bless what you're doing, what you're doing in them individually and want to rejoice and celebrate in that, celebrate what you've done for them. But you're calling us a bit further, you're calling us a bit deeper. Father, I, I pray that, thank you for what you are already doing. And so anything, God, that I've said that, that would be not of you, that would maybe cause confusion, God, would it be forgotten about, almost supernaturally forgotten about? God, and what people would just hear what you want to say today. Yeah. People would hear what you want to stir, Holy Spirit, that, they would, that you would uh, speak really clearly. Jesus. And we bless you, we honour you, we love you. 
Amen. Amen.